Welcome to the Lodge. You've accessed the LodgeCast experience. Warning, warning. Dangerous spoilers ahead. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Hot Takes. Oh my God, it's a fucking heat wave. I'm your Lodge Master. With me as always is Brother Bishki. Good day, mate. And Brother Lucas. Hot, hot, hot. Oh my God. Our guests who have been courteous enough to turn off their air conditioning, turn off their fans, and plunge into whatever the fuck this movie is. Today, our guru among gurus, Brother Justin. Good day, mates. <laughs> And young cinematic Padwan rising the ranks, Brother Antony is back. That's not an introduction. That's an introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the movie is the very excellent Mr. Dundee. And we will be referring to it from here on out as Crocodile Dundee 4 or CD4. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's what I would like to comment first is how does after spending a lifetime building up the brand of crocodile dundee when you make like your final installment like how do you jettison crocodile hey, who's like, to say like, this is final who's to say this is final? Why, why would it why would it not be a very excellent crocodile dundee so we're calling it canon then <laughs> yes. is that what's going on it's this so is official. okay i just want to be sure i ran the series i watched the the trilogy for the first time i did have yeah, let's get like, into our history with with the crocodile dundee series before i mean i am bursting at the seams to talk about this i don't think we have ever watched a movie that has been more lodge casty than this particular film Ugh. but first i know a couple of you boys ran the series so lucas what did you see when you ran the series so i'm coming from a place of i have vague memories of liking the original and not liking the sequel and I think that's that's pretty basic. And I Anthony's and, shaking his head, but that's and I, basic. And I, and I I don't even remember the third one coming <laughs> out. But looking at the date, it was like a few months before nine eleven. Um, yeah. So of another time and era, and I'll talk about that 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 third installment later but in, but for in now, another podcast lucas <laughs> gives his theory for how crocodile dundee 3 actually caused 9-11 but he's <laughs> gonna spare I, us I, I, I think i think pushing 10 caused 9-11 but that, that's a separate um, podcast but, that's but yet another separate podcast but basically i i ran the series for the first time i rewatched one two and three before the fourth and i was shocked to discover that the original that i so fondly vaguely remembered does not hold up. <laughs> N- not only mm. is it threadbare and and just flimsy, but it's very like uh, no, it's like very <laughs> like hyper toxic masculinity, patriarchy, oh. homophobia, transphobia. Like it's it's pretty bad. Like he sucker punches people in it, and and it's like I'm supposed to root and cheer for this guy sucker punching people. Like, yeah, he knocks them out with one punch, but they don't know they're getting punched. You know what I mean? It's like they're talking to him, and then he just sucker punches them. So it really left a bad taste in my mouth. And then the second one, instead of like having Crocodile Dundee battle poachers on his home turf of Australia. He's battling like Mexican, South American, like <laughs> cocaine smuggling, like drug, yeah, drug dealers, cartel, yeah. including Luis Guzman. Yes. And yep. it's like so fucking racist and bad and like tone deaf. It's like, oh, my God, you learned all the wrong lessons. And then by the time you get to the third one, it's like, holy shit. 
this should have been made 10 years earlier, like in the early 90s with with Crocodile Dundee in like Los Angeles, like in the middle of like West Coast gangster rap or something. Oh, but, wow. But, but for 2001, they turned it into like this Beverly Hills Cop 3 amusement park <laughs> Paramount lot set movie <laughs> that makes you want to like, yeah, like Bishki said, throw yourself on a stick of dynamite or watching it is like throwing yourself on a stick of dynamite. Yeah. Um, so does anybody have a non-soy boy perspective of Crocs 1 through 3? I do. As a child, loved the first one. And then when the second one came out, loved that even more. I had the cardboard cutout standee in my room as a 10-year-old. And what did that look like? It was the uh, from the poster. Sexy as fuck. Sexy, Sexy as, fuck, as fuck, definitely. <laughs> my, my parents had questions about <laughs> me. Uh, no, it had, uh, you know, Croc and, and, his, and his knife and his hand around Linda Kozlowski's waist. Yes. And it, there was a pin on his vest that said over 110 million at the box office. So I had a, <laughs> I, I had a winner in my I room. I want that pin. <laughs> so, uh, so I was, a, I was a big fan croc three. So you were, you were emotionally invested in croc two because you spent so much time staring at that standee. It pretty much formed my childhood and, and to where I am right yes. now. Absolutely. Right. Uh, cr- okay. croc three on the other hand, you know, it came out 13 years after the second one. So, uh, lucky 13. Right. So I was, you know, I think a 23 year old man by that point. The Crocodile franchise had, had long uh, faded from my memory. But having watched it last night for the first time, <laughs> um, <laughs> fuck. You really miss, you really miss Linda Kozalski, don't She's you? She's barely like, in she, it. She, you miss her. Yeah. And again, like, I, I love how the poster for Crocodile Dundee 3 in Los Angeles, all that indicates that it's L.A. based is him wearing sunglasses. That's all. Yeah. There's no, nothing else to it. it. It's kind of like the Crocodile Hunter collision course, <laughs> his movie. I think he also came to L.A. and had fun in the sun with shades on. <laughs> That's how you know it's a good time. Well, ju- judging by this movie... Even though Paul Hogan's lived in L.A. for a long time, he doesn't know the difference between L.A. and Miami. <laughs> they, they seemed interchangeable. Like yeah, the, yeah. the score was very Miami-centric. Yeah, the score was very interesting. I thought it ran the gamut from feeling like uh, like a Sappy Werther's original commercial to like Carnival Muzak, which uh, was kind of, which was yeah. kind of the Miami influence. Yeah, it was like, oh, this has I mean, Latin flavor. That's L.A., right? It's like, yeah. Very, yeah. very bizarre. Before we dive into the movie, let me just give a real quick bone rundown. Three bones for the first one. Paul and Linda have genuine chemistry. They got married after the movie. They were married until 2014. Whoa. Did not know that. <laughs> Crocodile Dundee, two, two bones, more of the same, but... Uh, kind of fizzles out in Australia with the drug cartel. And then that's the end of the franchise. you got to end it. And then we get um, Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles, 2001. It's a damn wolf. It is a wolf. Whoa! Yeah, it is yep. the Shots worst fired. L.A. story throwaway joke. So painful. Do these other series runners agree that part three is a wolf? Yes, absolutely. W- but without I, question. I, I, I can't agree with the first one being three bones, even though it grossed uh, second to only Top Gun and more than Platoon in 1986 and was nominated for Best Original wow. Screenplay. And Paul Hogan co-hosted the 59th Academy Awards with Chevy Chase and Goldie Hawn. So the world yes, was like, like, like succumbed to Australian Foster's fever uh but like for me the first one's one and a half bones the second one's one bone and the third one is definitely a wolf 
So where do we go okay. from there? Where do we go? Where do, cut, where do cut we to go? 2020. <laughs> cut to 2020. It's such a strange trajectory also because I can't think of another flashier flash in the pan where America loved him, embraced him, and then by the second one, so it was gone, and then by... It was over. It was over. It was over pretty much as soon as it happened, as it started. So I, I couldn't think of a, of a comparable career that maybe Yahoo serious, but not even that, that doesn't even really, that doesn't really even kind of um, qualify. It's, it's very strange. Yeah. Now this movie only exists because in 2018, they made a, an Australian tourism commercial star studded in which they cheekily proclaimed to be making Crocodile Dundee 4. And the public's reaction was so favorable, apparently, it moved the needle enough for them to be like, you know what? Give the people what they claim to want. But sometimes it's like the public can be having a laugh, like with Snakes on a Plane. They're like, we want Snakes on a Plane. We want you to keep that title. We want you to give us what we want. And then it comes out and they're like, huh? We, well, we're, we're kind of done with that joke. That was a while ago, actually. Sorry. So yeah. here you we are. You have to make a movie with, within three months of the first meme that's created. Yeah, yeah. you really do. You really do. And that's, um, that's pretty intense. We're moving too fast as a, as a popular culture. Paul Hogan is 80 years old. He's oh, older, looking way older than Biden. He is really old. <laughs> I know. What kind of creeped me out? What kind of creeped me out in the first two movies was I never noticed before until now the 20 year age difference between Paul Hogan and his <laughs> co star, Linda Krasinski. And what's weird. Excuse me. What's weird is they they look related, like they're father daughter. Mm -hmm. So occasionally mm -hmm. I would be watching it and I would zone out because I was kind of high. And then before he no. would go his separate way, he would like give her a kiss, and I would be like, "Oh, that's that's right. Like they're romantic. Like whoa. Like it it shakes you a little bit. It's, it's that kind of family." Well, this movie, I was shook when I realized holy shit, this is JCVD-style meta where he's playing Paul Hogan. He's not playing Crocodile Dundee in this. He's playing Paul motherfucking Hogan living his life in L.A., and the plot revolves around him trying to get Crocodile Dundee back on its feet, or more specifically, other people trying to get him to don the hat once more. And, and I would like to summon the Salad Dragon, if yes, I may. absolutely. Okay. You are right to do so. It came early for me, and I hope I hope you guys are on the same wavelength as me. So, it's like, the first I, fucking scene. So it's yeah, the first oh, scene. So, oh. <laughs> so I, I'm high, you know, I'm properly lifted. <laughs> I'm like, I am doing this right, and I'm watching this. And I have no expectations. I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna like be How engaged. How could you have this. any expectations? And there's a scene where in the early beginning, where where he gets picked up at the airport, or he's like driving in the car with his daughter, and they're going down. This Hollywood isn't Boulevard. even what I'm imagining it and, was. And it's so like we, this. We have plenty of dragons it's this crazy process green screen driving shit that was like blowing my mind at how hallucinatory it looks but as they're driving they're talking about the crocodile dundee character like yeah oh and by the way the queen wants to knight you and as they're driving they go past the grauman's chinese theater and they go oh look 
there's the crocodile dundee guy and he's like this guy that looks nothing like paul hogan he's got a little bit more weight on him and he's like walking down the sidewalk dressed as him from the movies and they're like he kind of looks strung out they're like man he kind of looks scary (laughs) you know the strung out uh hollywood boulevard version of him and i was like what planet i mean is, is paul hogan on in 2020 or 2019 where he genuinely thinks there's a fucking, you know, Crocodile Dundee impersonator when there might be like, you know, others, but not him. It's like in Wes Craven's New Nightmare when they're like talking to Heather Legenkamp, who played Nancy in the first one. They're like, listen, Heather, your star's bigger than ever. We need to bring this back. People are craving you. That's also a good a good example of meta done right, which it right. rarely is, in my opinion. But I think right. when you're making like a half-assed uh, skewering of Hollywood comedy, there's like a list of check boxes, right? Like you have to yeah. make fun of yoga and smoothies Absolutely. and the Walk Absolutely. of Fame and you know shallowness and paparazzi and it's it's why valet parking yeah it's it's why so many spoofs of contemporary hollywood are so so bad like i think the ones we enjoy are like golden era hollywood where we're kind of skewering it but still remembering it fondly whereas now it's just bitter people who are like oh this town is the fucking worst and yeah. all the skewerings of this one, again, this came out this year. <laughs> all the skewerings in this one are would be dated in the early 90s, at least. I also love Off-Brother off Lucas's uh, uh, comment about why would there be a Crocodile Dundee impersonator on Hollywood Boulevard in that very yeah. first scene. This is my first Salad Dragon, by the way. There is a, a fifth grade class there that's on a field trip. Yes. And one of the 10 year olds looks at him and says, Crocodile Dundee, as if a fucking 10 year old yeah. in 2020 is going to know <laughs> who that is and, a or who Paul Hogan is. A 30 year old wouldn't know who Crocodile Dundee is. <laughs> this class has encountered a snake and they want somebody to help them, like, handle it, get it out of their way so they can be safe. And they recognize Crocodile Dundee, who's just kind of lurking around, and or Paul Hogan, Hogs, as he is referred to in the film. <laughs> the and Hogs, Hogs makes it clear to us and the class that he's not Crocodile Dundee; he's just Hogs. And he takes a stick and kind of golf swings at it, hitting the snake. The snake becomes digital at this point and flies right into the teacher's face, fangs first, smash cut to the title. I I was locked in at this point. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where we're going or what we're doing, but holy shit, that's how you start? The movie set the bar high right away because I was like, so oh, fucking shit, high. is this going to be funny? Oh, oh man, I'm going <laughs> to, whoa, I was preemptively wrong about this. All right, snake to the face. So basically a bunch of Hollywood types are brainstorming ways to reboot Dundee. And there's a lot of humor about Crocodile Dundee 3. They forget that Crocodile Dundee 3 even happened. Oof. Their big brainstorm idea basically is the plot of part three. Uh, and Hoags, Hoags very calmly is like, we already tried that, though. It was called Crocodile <laughs> Dundee in Los Angeles. 
And say what you will about Hoag's age or, you know, his his washed upness, but I think the man is still charming as fuck. And I I don't think I would have been able to watch one frame of this movie if he weren't so charming. Deafening silence. <laughs> <laughs> if this were Polly Shore and it was about oh, Encino yeah. Man too. <laughs> Well, there was actually a great Pauly Shore gag, I thought. Uh, or it was like a throwaway line, but he's watching one of the many Entertainment Tonight-like shows, and they're going over the weekend oh. box office, and they say something like, uh, and coming in at number one was Pauly Shore and his sequel, Father-in-Law, which I, yeah. which made yeah. me laugh, and I would actually want to see that movie, quite honestly. And they're like, Why his, not? His, at, his atmospheric comeback is finally complete. No, right. no, Lodgemaster, I, 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 I had a tough watch because of the opposite Hogan effect. Um, like, oh, I no. just was, I was not taken by him in the first original film, and I was thinking, like, right, you were pissed at him. I was like, who is this <laughs> asshole? Like, who is this, this, this like cisgendered male like asshole? Now you know how those Colombian drug dealers felt. All right, so we know where Lucas stands on all this, but I find him charming. What about Lightning Jack? Yeah, what about Lightning Jack, Lucas? I've never seen it. <laughs> but he's like Stanley Kubrick in that he only, like, made movies every four to six years, and, like, he wrote and developed Lightning Jack, and apparently he turned down Ghost to make Almost <laughs> an Angel. <laughs> well, that's one thing we can all agree on, is that Hoag's is exactly like Stanley Kubrick. We have a lot of ground to cover here, boys. There's an extended riff about how these Hollywood types want Will Smith to play his son in a reboot. And... This kicks off a series of witty misunderstandings and misconceptions about what he says and what he actually means, because he's like, I don't think that'll be good because he's black. And then people are like, Hoax doesn't like Will Smith because he's black. So he keeps saying shit that gets him into trouble and keeps derailing his potential for a reboot. Keeps showing up on entertainment tonight. Right. And they keep going to that well over and over and over again. But Reginald Vell Johnson shows up kicking off a ton of celebrity cameos. (laughs) And he he plays his buddy. Olivia Newton-John shows up for an extended cameo. I love that there's a world in which uh, RVJ and uh, ONJ are friends yes. and, and amicable with each other. Yes. They are like, oh, hey, how's, hang how, how's it going? Oh, good to see you again. <laughs> it, <laughs> ma- it made me feel really good, actually. Yeah. Hashtag dream team. So ONJ sets up this long section where she invites him to come hang out at her charity and make an appearance, her, her charity event. And he ends up going. John Cleese, John motherfucking Cleese plays his driver <laughs> like what he doesn't even know how he got there he's he's lamenting how few roles there are for older actors as he sits in this shitty movie that he took because there are no good roles for older actors <laughs> i mean it's meta on meta on meta but he gets to the event and this is salad dragon number two motherfuckers Double dragon. this fucking event it's supposed to be Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta doing some songs from Greece. And I'm like, ain't no way they got Johnny T for this. Ain't no way he's going to show up. Like, even he has more dignity at this point. But I held out hope. What did you guys think? Did you guys think Johnny T had any chance of showing up? No, no, no. No. Olivia Newton-John's like, 
John Travolta isn't showing up, you're going to have to do the songs from Greece with me. So Hoags dons the leather jacket from Greece. He goes up there. He starts singing off key. The crowd is not having it. They are like, we want Johnny T. You're a, a fucking fake. You're a phony. What the fuck? Who is this? What's going on? And an angry John Travolta fan yells, I ought to come up there and kick the grease out of you. <laughs> and listen very closely to the words I'm about to say. This angry fan throws a thermos at Hoags. Hoags is pissed. He considers throwing it back, but decides against it. And he kind of tosses it behind himself. The thermos bounces off a balloon and then flies back into the crowd where it hits an 82-year-old nun in the face, <laughs> knocking her out. And I laughed my ass off at this unapologetically. I did not expect that, especially because for a few beats, everybody's like, she's dead. She's dead. And I'm like, what? Where is this movie? Like, what is this movie? Who is this movie for? What is it doing? Who is it appealing to? And Olivia Newton-John's just watching from backstage, like confused as fuck, right along with everybody else who's watching the movie. Like, what an amazing scene that was. It definitely had a Hollywood wax museum on acid vibe, you know, like the night of a thunderstorm. I'm alive. <laughs> Well, the, the entire thing, really, I mean, what you just described is essentially you have about 60 more minutes of that. There is nothing yeah. driving <laughs> yes. this goddamn movie. There's nothing driving yeah. it. And even more to that point, there's nothing motivating Hoag's character. Like, all he wants no. to do is just fucking hang out and watch Ellen. There's nothing driving him. One of the notes that I made that I'm, that I'm looking at now was... It feels like he makes these sequels for tax purposes. Like, cause I know that sure. like he was getting sued or he was going to go to prison like Wesley Snipes until he worked <laughs> well, that, it out. Well, well, that's or a movie. It Wesley out. and Paul in uh, prison. Because he had like hundreds oh of offshore, you know, shell corporations or whatever to avoid paying anybody anything. So he's like filthy rich. Like, it's crazy. But he, he resolved it. He resolved it all. Thank God. My theory is that his his real life granddaughter got into some financial trouble. Maybe she was mm -hmm. lost a lot of money betting because the whole yeah. movie is about him trying to be a good granddad. Oh, yeah. Oh, Betting on kangaroo races. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kangaroo fights. Yeah, like any of these movies would, would be great and would also fit in seamlessly to whatever the fuck this movie was somehow. Because yeah. anything goes. And there, Well, what this, what this ended up being in a weird way is like, Paul Hogan doing a Larry David impression. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I thought about that too. Kind of, he's not really an asshole though. Everyone's just accusing him of being an asshole. Yes. And it only yes. works because Larry David is a prick, unabashedly so. Imagine like a didgeridoo version of the tuba theme from Tribute Enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, I've, been, be I've been bombarding you with the Peter Best score from the original and credits because it's like so uplifting. Lucas and keeps like, sending us didgeridoo yeah. music. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. I just want, I also just want to shit on the score really quick oh, one God. more time because yes. it was oh, so go for it, aggressively please. whimsical. Oh my God. It was like, it just was relentless ABC family like little flourishes that were trying to make you feel something that you were not feeling. And it's it just, face uh, fucks it was, you with whimsy. Right. Oh, it was exhausting. 
what I wrote was that it, it, it all felt it all felt and sounded like a Hallmark Christmas movie. There is not one. There's not maybe sure, more than yeah. like three minutes that go by that doesn't have some kind of goddamn whimsical score to let you know that it's fun and you should have a good time. It, the production value, the lighting, it all, all felt bucket. Yeah, it's all for fun, really. And it's missing Linda Karaszewski. Who is that? Linda Kozlowski. <laughs> Linda Kozlowski. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, what kind of stage name is that? How do you not change it to, like, Linda Wagner or something? <laughs> we we got to talk about this next part. Hoag's manager says that there's a high-profile actor that has agreed to have lunch with him and give him advice. <laughs> and it's none other than Chevy motherfucking Chase, the high profilist actor of the ball, playing himself. Chevy and Hoags get together and have a big old cameo scene. What the fuck was this? What the fuck is going on? With this? I don't know. I, I love that the 21 year old waitress who is serving them <laughs> and looks at looks at Chevy. And tells him, "Oh, Mr. Chase, you're the reason I got into comedy. Watching you on SNL made oh me laugh." Oh my god! Right, right. I wonder if that was written as her knowing him from Community, and he was like, "No, yeah. fuck that show." <laughs> right, yes. right. You know me from SNL. Right. What was also great about that scene was that there's another lady that comes up to Chevy. She's a fan, and she says, "Oh, I loved you in." The Three Amigos and European Vacation. Why European Vacation? Why wouldn't it just be the original Vacation? She no one loves European. Euro- she. No one loves European Vacation. No, it's communist talk. Yeah, it's weird. That also fits into Justin's theory that he got to choose which were his featured oh, totally. works totally. that were being discussed. But basically the whole scene hinges on Chase's insistence that he won an Oscar for Caddyshack (laughs) and that he'll forever be adored by the public because he won an Oscar for Caddyshack. So (laughs) that's basically basically the joke they keep riffing on. And he basically says to Hogan, you know, I'll take care of the check when, when the lunch is over. He's like, I'll take care of the check. And then he just dips out. And then Hogs tries to leave and is violently tackled by a security guard, and then the scene just cuts out. It just fucking ends. And you're just like, okay, mic drop. They thought that was the funniest shit in the universe. (laughs) Yeah, very confusing. The movie also thinks the funniest shit in the universe is taking archival clips of celebrities out of context so that it seems like they're talking about Hogan and his Crocodile Dundee reboot. I mean, I'm just flabbergasted by that. It's got Mel Gibson, that Mel Gibson thing? Extended Mel Gibson run. A lot of Mel. I honestly wasn't sure if that was, you know, uh, spliced together, if that was genuine. I really didn't know. No, it said said archival footage in his credit on IMDb. So that was, yeah. They just took an interview. I mean, I'm not surprised in one bit. Travolta shows up in an archive clip. And just just to give you an idea of how they slice this up, the reporter says, Travolta was asked about this and refuses to speak about Hogan. And then they cut to John Travolta on like some random red carpet saying, no, no, that's a very dangerous thing. (laughs) (laughs) Not he's a very dangerous subject. He says, no, no, that's a very dangerous thing. So this movie doesn't give a shit. They just want to get Johnny T on the screen. What was really strange, too, is, like, I noticed that the edges of everyone was really soft. And I'm like, did they shoot people on green screen and just key it poorly? I'm like, oh, no, no, no. This is footage that they had to rotoscope 
That's why it's <laughs> soft. This isn't oh. this isn't poorly keyed. This is something else. This movie doesn't play by any fucking rules. There are no rules. Then there seems to be like a madcap chase scene for the rest of the runtime. Yeah. And you just kind of tune out during that. I mean, it's supposed to be the funniest shit that you've ever seen, but it just all kind of becomes white noise after a while. The old chase scene that takes place solely near an Isuzu dealership. <laughs> At one point, John Cleese is driving the car still, which leads me to believe they had him for multiple days, which, you know, good that he got paid, but he hits somebody with a car and you hear a Wilhelm scream, and then there's a throwaway line I think that was Harvey Weinstein. I wrote that down. I wrote that down because yeah. that stood the fuck out to me. Why not? I mean, what do you? Why not? Why not? I mean, I'm sure there was some kind of archival footage they went to of of, of Harvey Weinstein. At a, I'm sure they tried to somehow splice that in. Looking too. shocked. Right. Right. Like look. Like looking shocked, and then they just zoom in. It wouldn't be. Yeah. Wouldn't be surprising. And then there's what I could tell was intended to be like a showstopper to just you know be its big viral moment. It's a salad dragon. Come on, it's a salad it's dragon. It's a salad dragon. It's another dragon. Is that number three? One, two, three, three. I think it's four. I, the whole movie's a dragon. These, these are salad crocs, guys. Come on, <laughs> stay on brand. This is this is number four. Bishki, do you want to explain what this is? So. <laughs> Paul Hogan gets arrested and knocked out after the car chase. And then we just cut to all these dancers uh, against a green screen. I mean, well, there's something in the background, but it's obviously just this horrific green screen. And, and it they, should be noted that up until this point, they've almost reprised the that's not a knife, this is a knife joke. But they haven't <laughs> quite said the whole thing yet. So we get a musical number to the song, This is a Knife. And, the, <laughs> and it goes on for quite, I would say probably like three or four minutes of... And they're just and they're just singing about that. Which that's in this not world feels like eight to ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. And they're just singing about that's not a knife. This is a knife, and you don't know what's going on. And then finally, it's like a Hogan, choreographed, fully choreographed musical number. Yeah, I think Hogan wakes up in a hospital bed. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> what happened. At this point, it gets fuzzy. I, I just wrote a lot of nonsense ensues. I don't mean to to sound like I was emotionally invested, so that the scene made me upset. But it was one of those rare moments that felt like what I call movie hell, where we're living in somehow the worst possible version of something that we previously revered. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. movie hell. One of my favorite examples is Indiana Jones Wedding, where I'm just like, this is, I didn't. I, I, I don't want to be here. I want to crawl out of my own body and go to a different reality where this oh. never existed, where it's just you can understand why someone wanted it to happen on paper. And then on when you're paper. actually seeing it brought to reality, you're like, this is an unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt B-roll throwaway joke. Yeah. Like, it's, it's it shouldn't be real. We got to adopt movie hell onto this podcast because we've been there so many times and we yeah. will be there more times than we'll ever care to count. Yes. Oh, yeah. So uh, this movie, it ends up, you, you know he's going to get knighted by the queen. We go to the ceremony, but Hoags isn't there. He's off seeing his granddaughter's musical play. <sighs> but the last laugh that this got out of me was the announcer at the knighting ceremony says, 
the Queen of England's favorite movie <laughs> is Crocodile Dundee 3. <laughs> Which is just wacky enough to be true. Like, if you, yeah. if you yeah. told me that was true, I wouldn't yeah. dismiss it immediately. Try to prove that it's not. Yeah, you can't just, you just try. prove that it's not. That whole montage <laughs> so desperately wanted to, like, tug on your heartstrings and work it did and it was so not deserving of that at all did anyone else think it was a fake out it was shot Re like a fake out yeah yeah it was so yeah, ridiculously sure. over the top happy what was happening to every character in the movie and i was like this has got to be like a wayne's world fake out they're gonna <laughs> go to something and paul's gonna be on entertainment tonight again or something i don't know but well no anyway they, the fake out was that you thought he was gonna be at the premiere of the movie we're watching Right. Yeah. Which yeah. The, or something else. Yeah. Th that scene made the movie lose a, a, an entire bone for me because <laughs> it it went out of its way for someone to say like, oh, and he thought of this. He's a genius. <laughs> oh, I was like, in yeah. this movie, guys, you're gonna call yeah. out your own brilliance in this movie, huh? Paul Hogan also has a son in this that he kind of just keeps checking in in on. And it's kind of like a demo reel for this actor. Like he's doing yoga, he's singing. He has a nightclub in his bedroom. Yeah, like he does. the character doesn't go anywhere or do anything. He just kind of gets checked in on every once in a while. And if there's one thing that uh, I'm thankful for with regards to my Crocodile Dundee 2 standout uh, cardboard uh, yeah. cutout, it's that uh, I am aware that he actually does have a son because his name is Brett Hogan, and it was uh, in the credit block in that cardboard cutout. So where's Brett? That you would study. Right. <laughs> that, that I would study and, and, and base all my... Just stare at while you ate a bowl of cereal, yeah. just like, like memorizing. <laughs> Me, Paul Hogan, and, and Linda Wachowski. You were just hope, hoping against hope that you could be his son? I still am. I yeah. still am. You, you can't prove I'm not. This is unofficially a live rewrite because that would have been a better movie. Do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live! The movie's called Crocodile Standee. <laughs> and it's a young boy with his Crocodile Dundee Standee. That's his best friend. I mean, oh, Crocodile Standee. Option me. I'm open to it. Option me right now. <laughs> Well, I'm into it. Oh, my God. You got my money. Take my money. I'll see that opening night. Crocodile Standee in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> There's some like, yeah, last action hero. Yeah. And like we can get actually Paul Hogan himself to like do mocap so he can like be like a younger I think he's Irishman. Available. Yeah, I think he's ready. All right. Let's go to them crocodile bones. All right, we know we know Lucas is a fucking loaded didgeridoo right now, so let's skip around a little bit. Uh, Brother Anthony, you you kick it off. You you're the most emotionally invested in this. <laughs> I mean, when am I not? Um, so before I give my bone count, we are counting this sure. as canon, correct? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Good to know because that 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 <laughs> we've decreed. <laughs> okay. That's all okay. that matters because that that weighs heavily on these shoulders. Uh, <laughs> I'm going with a. Uh, with a walkabout woof. Oh! Straight up. Oh! My first woof, and I, and, and I could not be uh, happier or, or, or prouder. Speaking of happy, I don't know if you gentlemen recalled the song during the end credits, which was a complete ripoff of Pharrell's Happy. I wrote it down. It was called Feeling oh, Good. Man. It was called Feeling Good as opposed to Happy. Yes. 
So this, <laughs> I think I shazammed it because I'm like, there's no way that this is real. <laughs> and Shazam was like, fuck you. This is not real. What are you doing to me? Uh, <laughs> so I was the complete opposite of happy or feeling good. Uh, ergo oh. my, my woof. Um, but I'm happy to, uh, to lay it upon this film. Is it a harder woof than part three or are they equal woof? Part three, I did laugh out loud uh, at there was a twister gag in part three with a flying cow that genuinely made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, would, okay. I would gladly watch that again on loop over and over as opposed to watching okay. the not very excellent Mr. Dundee. Oh, ouch. So part three has a slight edge. Brother Bishke, what are you thinking about? Because I think I think maybe you had maybe a little more fun with this one. I'm just guessing here. You might be correct, Lodge Master. <laughs> I, uh, it was it was definitely. Um, I mean, Crocodile Dundee three was a damn wolf. So I was like, where can they go? Like, where can, he's yeah. 80 years old? What are they going to do for Crocodile? It's scorched earth. There's nowhere to go but up. <laughs> and this movie's bad on a whole nother level. Like, it is, like, just <laughs> cringe. Oh, my God. Like, like I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we didn't even get to. Like, Wayne Knight is, <laughs> we like, didn't, We didn't oh get to so God. Wayne Knight. We didn't even touch Wayne Knight. No, Wayne, Wayne Knight. Knight's oh. dub singing voice and Wayne Knight's tap dancing <laughs> lessons. Hello, yeah. my baby. Hello, my honey. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think anyone our age can hear that song without just thinking of the little alien from Spaceballs. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's right. impossible. Absolutely. That's yeah, all absolutely. that song is to me. But yeah, the this direction, I mean, the director should be shot, the writer shot. <laughs> compo <laughs> the composer definitely should be shot. The, the music was just Lu I mean, Lucas I was... is going to review this episode as toxically masculine later <laughs> for yeah. those threats. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but it was jaw-dropping. It was a jaw-dropping movie. Yeah. Um, no intentional laughs, but I laughed a lot. And I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it to anyone except the elite few oh. who know who they are. Yes, um, yes. This movie left so me in pain. I was in pain after but I just kept thinking about it all night. And I was like, every time I thought about it, I just kept laughing. And yeah, it sticks with you for the cringe, for the laughs, for the dragons. <laughs> I got to give it one bone. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Vishky. That's love and light. All right, brother, Justin, you, you laughed a little bit, right? Come on now. I legitimately laughed more at this movie than I did. Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Come on. I, by de facto, cannot give it a woof. But you can't. It seemed like the title should have been Crocodile Dundee Can't Even. Because he just do he doesn't want to participate in his own movie, which was very bizarre. That's so true. That's so true. He hates it. Yeah. And I, I, I could go on and on about <laughs> bone deductions at each part. Sure. The, the budget sure. Nick Swartzen uh, yeah. paparazzi yeah. guy just was so bad oh my god i wrote down budget nick that Swartzen. was movie hell that was definitely movie that, hell. every time that guy came on screen i was just it was the hardest cringe watching that guy oh. <laughs> he made an eric oh. banana eric banana joke oh god I, what? I missed that how the fuck did i miss that because i would have loved that you know what never mind i'm, at, pretty I'm, good. I'm at half a bone now <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm giving this the Roger Ebert Memorial Half Bone fair for a couple legitimate laughs. I genuinely liked seeing Reginald Vell Johnson 
just palling around with Paul Hogan. Uh, I thought the snake to the face initial salad dragon did give me a genuine laugh. It was a cheap laugh, but it happened. Yeah. I didn't stop it. (laughs) But I'm giving this a half bone because I feel I I don't want to have that weird nerd rage where I sternly explain to people that they need to stop playing a character or stop Mm -hmm. doing something like sure. I, I just don't want to be that guy that's like, you know, you should have hung it up 20 years ago. Bah, yeah. That's not up to me. If you no. are having tax problems or your, <laughs> your granddaughter lost a ton of money on the kangaroo fights and you need a quick payday, <laughs> just do it. You know, the, just do it. The, these are the best of times and the worst of times. And when the worst of times. 900 movies come out every week there's going to be the worst and there's going to be things that are hidden gems. So, yeah, you know, who am I to tell Paul Hogan what not to do? Half bone. Half bone. Love it. Lucas, you look like a deflated balloon. <laughs> what do you yeah. got? Pump, pump, yeah. pump yourself up and uh, let us know what's what's what here. Yeah, I would I would definitely tell Paul Hogan to like just relax and you did well. And, you know, you're part of the pop culture lexicon of the 1980s. It's more than I can say for anything that I'll ever do. So, yeah, you know, he met the Queen of Don't England, right? Don't be so sure. Um, he met Lady Di uh, when she was alive. Um, Good. But, uh, yeah, you know, what's funny is, like, the first film ends. I don't think anyone remembers this, but the first film ends with Paul Hogan's character literally walking on top of New Yorkers. I remember. Like, on their shoulders and, and, and heads, you yeah. know, just stepping on them, like, literally stepping on them. And I remember like, that being aspirational. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, this is, like, some, <laughs> yeah, Dead Poet Society shit that, like, you're aping that's just awful. No, that's and what true love is. You <laughs> didn't get the message. <laughs> I would yeah. walk on so many New Yorkers. Construction workers, uh, hot dog vendors. True love is literally walking all over New York. And yeah, like (laughs) suffering through uh, a very excellent Mr. Dundee, which seems like he owes money to the Bill and Ted folk for like taking that title uh, was was it was tough. Like it was definitely a chore for me. And I wasn't really at all laughing with the exception of of the, 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 the Hollywood Boulevard impersonator, because it's like, yeah, what planet are you on or have you been on? And this reeks to me of of like a tax haven, like I got to make the movie to somehow, you know, sure. stay, out, stay out of jail. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't really get into it. So I had to give it a woof. I have to definitely <laughs> give it a woof. Oh. And I'm amazed. The one thing I'm most amazed by is in like the last 40 years, Paul Hogan has not aged. Like he has no body fat. He's probably weighed like 150 his entire life. He looks you know, great. Some, yeah, some of his hair is thinned or gone, but like he still looked exact, like almost exactly the same. You know, no worse for wear, which was kind of staggering. That's a woof. We got double woof. We got a Roger Ebert Memorial half bone. We got a full bone. If you've been listening to my excitement level at all during this episode, You'll know I ain't woofing this shit. No way. I ain't even half boning this shit. This is a full, vibrant bone for me. I can't stop thinking about this. Every time I think about it, I smile. I see that 
snake flying towards my face. I see that thermos hitting that nun with Olivia Newton-John voyeuristically watching it. Come on. That's like, that's headed straight for my heart. So, you know, there there's a lot of problems. It's not what I would call a good film. But anyone who remembers Crocodile Dundee and brings it up to me in conversation or doesn't bring it up in conversation, anybody who brings up Australia in a conversation, <laughs> I'm going to be talking about this movie so fast it'll make your head spin because nobody knows about this. Everybody I told that we were doing an episode on this, they're like, wait, what? <laughs> Part four? I, I think I think it came out in Prime, but only in Australia, I think. I mean, it's a full bone for me. I, I think about it very fondly. I'm very charmed by Hoag's. And I am so glad that we ventured into this together. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that we reassessed Crocodile Dundee and had a, a wide swath of experiences from that. It makes me want to run the series again just to see <laughs> what the hell everybody's talking about. The it, only thing that's worth it is the end credits song. That's all you. That's all. <laughs> it's the only evidently. silver lining. Everybody YouTube Lucas's favorite end credit song of all time: Crocodile Dundee, Didgeridoo, Orama. <laughs> And I, I look forward to part five. I hope they can squeeze out a part five somehow. Yeah. Like, let's do it, guys. Let's get John Travolta on board in the flesh and let's make it happen. Let's bring, uh, let's bring back Linda Kowalski. Linda Wachowski, whoever it, it is. You're, you're getting closer. You almost yeah, had it that time, yeah. Lucas. You almost By had it. By part five, he may get it. Yes. Sorry. All right, boys. We're in a heat wave. We all have our AC off and our fans off. So let's land this ship. Thank you guys for being on this. Thank you guys for suffering the slings and arrows of multiple Dundees. And holy shit, next time there's an ill-advised deep sequel, I think this is our crack team. So. Oh, the old deep horse. <laughs> I'm in. Movie hell. Movie, movie hell. hell. <laughs> Hashtag movie hell. Love and light to you all. Love and light, Love fam. And light. Love and light. You got a light, buddy? Yeah, sure, kid. There you go. And you're what? Mickey, give him your wallet. What for? He's got a knife. <laughs> you wave that shiny little thing in my face, but kid, your piece of cutlery's a bloody disgrace. You look at me as if I should now run for my life, but that's not a knife. You think your little toy is gonna fill me with dread But you should take that home and find your toenails instead You're embarrassing yourself in front of my future wife Cause that's not a knife You should turn away from your life of crime Do something more worthwhile with your time Buddy, why you looking so deflated? Maybe cause your implement is not so rated I can see you're not the sharpest tool in the shed But I wouldn't use that little thing to butter my bread Kid, if I were you, I'd bloody run for my life Cause that's not a knot No, that's not a knot No, that's not a knot That's a knife About you is your choice of clothing. 
here's a little piece of friendly advice. Threatening people on the street is not very nice. So go sit somewhere quietly and keep out of strife. Then you won't hate a knock.